The viewpoints expressed on Night Fright are not necessarily those of the host, the staff, the sponsors, or the affiliate stations. Tonight's program may contain graphic themes or images. Viewer discretion is advised. Showtime. Welcome to the show. I'm Brent Holland. And, oh, baby, have we got a show for you tonight. Drop what you're doing. Get in your comfy chair. Above all, keep the lights on. <laughs> Better still, turn them down. We've got a great show for you tonight, folks. We're going to be going on a real live ghost hunting excursion that these two gentlemen who, have, who are joining me tonight uh, have written a book on. Now, in most ghost hunting cases I usually start at the very beginning but this time tonight I'm gonna break with precedent and I'm gonna start at the end or should I say near the end Halton Hills I should say not haunted hills but they indeed are haunted as well resides directly between Toronto and Hamilton just a little bit to the northwest uh, if you do a Google you'll find it right away where a Canadian research team discovered multiple hauntings and were physically attacked, followed into the sanctity of their own homes, and now have refused to step foot back onto the property. Tonight, together, we will look at the dark powers that forced the team to retreat. Now, folks... We're going to have a great show tonight. Get the coffee going, get the tea going, get a beverage of your choice going. Sit back and relax for the next two hours as we take you on this great ride. The book is called Meeting Place of the Dead. And indeed, folks, there are multiple dead people there without question. The author is Richard Palomisano, who is joining us, as well as his fellow researcher, Peter Rowe. Richard and Peter, I want to welcome you to the show. Richard for the second time, Peter for the very first time. Thanks for joining us tonight. Hi, Brent. Glad to be here. And I'm happy to be here for my first time. Thank you. Okay. I want to start off, thank you for joining us. I want to start off with something I'm very excited. This is a really creepy book, folks. There's a chapter in the book called Visitations. And when I read it, it was chilling and unearthly. Richard, could you tell us what happened to you in the sanctity of your very home? And then I'm going to ask Peter for his story as well. Right. Um, you you are starting near the end. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but um, 
what had happened was uh, these entities would just uh, just to prove a point, they would follow us home. They would, uh, uh, in my particular case, terrorize uh, my wife uh, and my dog. Um, Whatever this thing was entered from the back of the house. We have some sliding glass doors. Now the doors didn't open, and there was no. Uh, it didn't move the blinds or anything like that. But all of a sudden, it was just. Uh, it was there. You could feel that static electricity charge. Uh, the hair stood up on my arms, and I felt something there. And I, all of a sudden, the dog whined, and uh, my dog's not a, a type of dog that whines, but. It just stared past me, and uh, I was sitting on the couch, and my wife said, I feel there's something here. I'm feeling really weird, and uh, this thing just played havoc for the evening with us. Um, it retreated from there to the kitchen, and then it attacked my dog, pushed him across the floor, and uh, it was just uh, very unnerving that this thing would come to our house. And I think it, it was doing such because um, it, w it was making a point. We were going to its residence, and it, which it felt it in control of. And uh, I think it was making a point he was going to come to our house as well. Peter, could you tell the folks what happened to you? Uh, sure. Uh, I think my visits were among the first ones. Uh, we had we'd been investigating there for a better part of two months. And uh, there was a period when I was going to this location uh, on my, my lonesome just to drop off some recording equipment and leave, uh, not investigate uh, formally, but just to record the environment. Um, but during that time, um, I, I felt like I was visited by, uh, I saw a shadow person uh, step from, from one room uh, across the hall to the bathroom uh, very late at night, one night. Um, Another incident, uh, I had just fallen asleep, and I was kind of between the stages of relaxing my brain and, and a dream state, but in my mind's eye, I saw, and I, I'm not very psychic, but I saw a black figure, and something told me it was male, and the figure leaned over me and shouted at me like a, a coach or an army sergeant and said, Peter Rowe! And, and I was so startled, I sat up in bed, and uh, said yes, what? And <laughs> sort of in a daze, but uh, uh, that was that was quite something when I realized, okay, um, there's nobody here, uh, nobody calling me, so I just went back to sleep, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> and uh, a third uh, incident that happened was uh, my alarm clock uh, went off prematurely, and I got up and went about my usual morning routine. And when I looked at the real time on the uh, microwave and the the clock on the oven. Uh, it was about three hours uh, early, so uh, I just sort of chalked it up to strange weirdness and uh, went back to bed. But uh, it was soon after that that the other members of the team had their own experiences as well. In your opinion, what's the difference between this nasty spirit and a demon? Well, evil or demonic entities will try to uh, look like a child to draw you in. To that trap, it's almost. It is I've heard that many times as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then, uh, of course, we had uh, uh, lots of uh, injuries, uh, lots of uh, pains from 
out of nowhere. You'd just be standing there, and you, all of a sudden you would get like a, a shooting pain through your leg, through your back, or in your head. Um, one instance, uh, my brother was working in the basement of the barn, and uh, he started choking. He couldn't see anything, but his photographs were showing that the entire uh, room was full of smoke. And he just took photo after photo, and it was all full of smoke. And then he, all of a sudden, he headed for the stairway, and uh, the next photo was clear, and he could breathe again. So it was very bizarre stuff. And there's a very, very good photo of that exact incident in the book. And the book is called, folks, Meeting Place of the Dead. We're talking to two uh, of the team that went into this uh, house on this property. And uh, they were forced out. They were starting to be attacked physically, starting to be attacked emotionally, all of the above. Richard Palomasano is our guest tonight, along with his co-researcher, um, I guess, Peter Rowe. Let's go back to somewhere around the beginning. Let's talk about what happened with Google and uh, how this case came to be. Richard, could you start us off? We were making a presentation, a PowerPoint presentation, um, to a historical society out in the area. When uh, uh, a lady in the uh, the audience, I guess she was uh, sitting sitting there watching or listening, and um, she approached us and she had a photograph uh, from Google Street View of her house. And she, she showed it to us. She said, you guys are looking, uh, would you look at this? So we had a look at the photograph. And uh, it was the Google car had passed her house and photographed her property. And there's her, her house. And there's two entities that we could see. One looking out the window and one standing on the porch. The one looking out the window, he looked like he was dressed in something from maybe the 70s, early 80s. Uh, he was a male, older male. And on the porch was a, an older female, but she looked like she was in period clothing, probably early 1900s. And she was transparent, and her, um, from the waist down, was extremely transparent, almost non existent. So we looked at it, and she guaranteed there was no one in the house at the time. And, um, even if there was, and we could explain the male, we certainly couldn't explain the female. So she said, would you be interested? And of course, we were. You see, now right there, folks, <laughs> and I say this often, could you imagine somebody saying, are you interested in investigating this? These are two dead people. They just happen to hang around here. <laughs> I would have done a 180 and gone in the opposite direction, but these guys, much to their credit, dive right into it. Now, can you describe the house? It's just a small little cottage, as it's described in the book. Um, more like a cabin, uh, sort of uh, salt box shape, I guess is the best way to describe it. Um, I'm not very good with square footage, but it's very it's not very large. And um, it's just outside of uh, the town of Georgetown in the farming country. And uh, growing up here in town, I... Um, as I say, I passed it millions of times, never really noticed it, and you know, to suddenly see a photograph of this person standing on the front porch, uh, thanks to Google Street View, uh, was just incredible. So, um, 
so there's not only this this small cottage cabin like house there on the property but there's a a barn uh, also on the property that um i'm sure you uh, read about a lot brent and um, yeah we'll be getting into and, that shortly folks and, stick oh, yeah, around i'm not kidding this thing is electric <laughs> please uh, sorry to interrupt you peter please oh no that's fine that's fine um we found out uh as we got into uh uh, sort of investigating the history of the this property that uh, there used to be a, a shed on the on site as well and uh, but that was long since torn down um, but what was interesting about that shed was that uh, the current owners uh, when they tore it down they discovered a uh, an old pistol uh, hidden behind one of the walls in the shed it was wrapped up in some cloth and uh, they'd also discovered a um, I think it was an army cot uh, belonging to a soldier and uh, a satchel from uh, the war, I'm assuming World War II. And uh, they got rid of the cot, not knowing, not really appreciating the historical significance of it, uh, which many people might do. The the satchel is uh, still in the family, but they kept the pistol, and uh, that's in the book as well. And that plays into our story as well. So... uh, um, yeah, it's not a very back to the house again. It's not a very, uh, it's a very unassuming house, I should say that, and um, one that I've been curious about for since childhood, passing it millions of times, and now here we are able to access it, and inside it felt very warm, and inviting, and um, one of the points that I'm sure we'll be making um, is that the the owners, the current owners. Uh, feel this warmth and they they said to us right off the bat that it doesn't feel spooky you know it doesn't you know there's nothing you know malevolent or mean or or spooky about it at all as a matter of fact whenever we have visitors here they just don't want to leave they seem like they they feel like they just want they want to stay longer and so, uh, some of them have stayed a, much longer even after they've passed away i i think so i think <laughs> i think so <laughs> well um, i've heard that too that um and to me, it's not a bad way to spend eternity. Some people, once they pass away, they go back to the place where they were the happiest to Absolutely. spend eternity there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, yeah, or in visitation, just to yeah. check on things and to see how things have been since they left. Yeah. Um, going back to the Malevent one, was that a singular entity, or do you think there were several of them that got together that were irritated? Oh, there was a few. There was a few, okay. and they worked together... Um, almost like a team, uh, or, or, uh, like a gang almost. Yeah. Mm. Like a, more like a gang of thugs. And, mm-hmm. but going back to that Google photo, which yeah. is incredible. And I called Google and I asked them specifically for permission to use that photo. And of course, Google will tell you, no, you cannot use any of our material. Yeah, that's right. Ever. So that was unfortunate. So I made such um, so much noise about this photograph. The Google actually sent the, the uh, car, the, the uh, street view car, to redo that street and to get that house photograph gone. So I wouldn't bother them anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, so they drove by it. and they took some more photos and they put it up and <laughs> there was another photo of the property and some entity walking around the house. <laughs> there are so mm-hmm. many things going on in that property. 
I mean, you could you could shoot a, you could shoot photographs all day long. You're going to catch something. Is it if people wanted to Google it themselves? Which, I shouldn't do that. Okay, don't do it. That okay. Yeah, just, crossing a line. Yeah, the owner's privacy. Well, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I they, respect that completely. They're Absolutely. older folks. They just don't want yeah. people coming in, right? Yeah, otherwise there'll be a lineup around this, the street, you know? No. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Okay, let's talk about that wonderful team that you've put together. Uh, Peter, do you want to walk us through the team? Your oh, teammates? Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, well, um, well, Richard is uh, one of the original, well, is the original member of the, of the team. Started in 1979 uh, with his brother, Paul. Paul is our uh, surveillance analyst. He surveys the uh, the video and audio uh, DVDs and tapes that are that are made every time we do an investigation. So we're talking about hours of hours and hours of work. Um, if you can imagine, you know, an, an eight hour an eight eight hour investigation and uh, three or four cameras rolling uh, during that same period of time. So multiply three or four times eight hours. He has to go through all that. That footage and, and uh, sometimes frame by frame and backtracking is to, you know to make sure he's caught something uh, on both audio and video. It's a huge job. So that's that's Paul. Um, we have another investigator named uh, James McCulloch. He's uh, fairly new to the team, and uh, he came in uh, later uh, in, in in terms of the story that uh, was the book that we're talking about, and uh, he's a, a great investigator still. Uh, Learning the ropes and uh, getting lots of experience, like the rest of us. Every job is a uh, is an adventure. <laughs> um, okay. Who am I missing, Richard? There's uh, uh, one of our. Well, we have a couple of mediums who work on the team with yes. us as well. And um, say their I names. As Richard, as, as Richard mentioned uh, in in the previous interview with you, Brent, um, we uh, you know we don't tell our mediums anything about the location. Uh, That's right. And and that was true in this case as well. Uh, we just bring them in blind, as you might say, and uh, uh, all of them seem to come up with the same material, um, the same information and, and data. Even a guest medium who's not formally a member of the group, she came, she came in and uh, told us things that she had no idea somebody else had told us as well. So it was quite incredible. www.nightfrightshow.com. There you will find a book cover of tonight's guest. The book is called meeting place of the dead. Our guests tonight are Richard Palomasano, who is a, a researcher, uh, a ghost hunter, if you will. Um, I hope that doesn't offend you guys if I call you ghost hunters. It's just, uh, it seems to be a term that's very popular right now. And, yeah, it's, it's popular. <laughs> okay. And Peter Rowe. Just is, don't call us <laughs> I won't call you late for dinner either. <laughs> and Peter Rowe, who is his fellow researcher, we're talking about their new book, and, uh, folks, you will not be bored reading this book. It will give you chills. And, you know, as I look outside, um, the leaves are off, of course. The trees are bare, and that's always a creepy time of year. It's before the snow. Uh, the wind's blowing tonight. Like, I'll get out right across Lake mm-hmm. Ontario, as I say, as I look outside. The trees are bending. It's a creepy night out there. If you want to mm-hmm. settle in and read a good book and entertain yourself and question yourself, but all the things you take for granted, this could be that book for you. www.nightfrightshow.com. Just click on the book cover. It'll take you right to a spot where you can order the book. From the comfort of your own home. And speaking of that comfort, 
Get the coffee going, get the tea going, get a beverage of your choice going, get in your comfy chair, relax. This is the time for you to take for yourself. We've got a great ride, and we're going to continue that ride right now. The outset of the show, we were talking about this place on the property called The Barn. Just let me read this quote from the book, folks. And this is... Uh, this is What's going on here is there's uh, Peter's here and uh, uh, there's another woman uh, who's doing some um, medium work as well. But let me just jump into it. Okay. So here they are inside the barn and Peter asks, does he try to hurt you still? An EVP of a wine is captured. Is he afraid of us? Peter asked. Now, they're using a pendulum, and this is a very popular means of communication with the hereafter, where the pendulum can swing back and forth to give a yes answer uh, or a no answer. The pendulum swings to say, yes, is there something in the barn he doesn't want us to find out about? The pendulum, a bigger yes. There's an EVP at the same time, folks, of a male grunting, then a cough, and it continues. Peter says, is there something buried under the barn? The pendulum swings even more, a huge yes. Is he afraid we'll find it? The pendulum, off the charts, yes. Will he hurt us if he thinks we'll be getting too close to finding it? Now, I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> once again, folks, i got to say these guys impressed me because, first of all, I wouldn't have been in the barn, okay? I would have had the comforter up <laughs> over my head, okay, sitting in the car <laughs> with my hand dialed 9-1. I'll set the dial a lot the next one. How do you go through this tension, Peter, in this particular case and have the wherewithal to compose yourself to keep asking what I feel are escalating an, uh, questions and escalating answers that danger, danger, run away? <laughs> danger, danger, Will Robinson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, uh, to me, it's, it's just it's, it's all comes with the territory, really. It's um, mm. I mean, everyone on the team is there because they're curious. Like, and to be on the team, you have to be very curious, obviously, and and dedicated to, mm-hmm. to doing this kind of work because it is work. And sure. uh, um, you know, we're not certainly not thrill seekers, so certainly mm-hmm. situations like that do get tense, tense or thrilling, if you will. And uh, um, but that's not what we we came there to. Do. We go to these places to do. We um, we're there for answers and. If, uh, as you probably noticed, I, I asked questions that were straight, pretty straightforward, and, and uh, I guess they could have been perceived as provocative uh, to the wrong person trying to hide something. But uh, um, we certainly got results. Um, there were some, as you, as you read, there were some interesting uh, readings from the pendulum, and then upon uh, analysis later, it turns out there were voices speaking and grunting and, <laughs> and sort of you know, uh, whining, which was very sad, um, in between the uh, the pendulum readings we were getting. So, um, 
I don't know if that answers your question, but it, uh, I'm sure it felt tense at the time, but uh, it was just mm. part of the job. Part of the job. Richard, what's mm. the most effective way of communicating with the hereafter? Is there one, the pendulum seems to work, EVPs caught on tape seem to work. Is there others as well? Well, you know, we experiment uh, with a whole host of uh, methods. Um, you know, we'll use the pendulum. We will use the pendulum in conjunction with a, a Ouija board. Uh, we'll replace the planchette, uh, that little triangular thing you push around the board, uh, with the pendulum. Uh, so we're working above the board. Um, we will use uh, EVPs or electronic voice phenomena. Uh, what I love to do is uh, to go in there, get a lot of activity going on with the team, which mm. will stir up the spiritual activity of the property. And then we set up audio-video surveillance throughout the house, so three or four cameras, and then get out of there. Everybody out. Everybody leaves, lock the doors, the windows, close everything down, and go grab some coffee. And it's amazing that there's no one in that house, and mm -hmm. this is where you get the best intelligence. It's because in any social situation, they'll start to talk. And they'll use first names. They'll go, hey, Brent, watch that. There's a thing over there. Watch that thing. Or, there's a camera, or get back, or watch out, or what do you think these guys are doing? And that's the intelligence we're looking for. That tells us that there's, it's not going to tell us everybody in the building, but it'll give us an idea of how many might be there. Are they and cognizant of what you're there for? What's, I'm sorry, I missed that. Are they cognizant of what you're there for, and do they A lot of them it? are. They are. Right? A lot of them are. They're, yeah, we, we have EVPs because they're warning. Other ones, watch out, there's a camera. They know what it is. Huh. They'll say, watch out, get back. Uh, they'll try and avoid it mm -hmm. uh, at any cost. But then you need to be uh, just as clever, and you need to get them to be in front of that camera. or give, Don't give them a choice to avoid it. Um, so you got to be tricky. You have to use you know, different methods. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a challenge. But we'll, I'll give you a, a side note on the meeting place of the dead, mm -hmm. and how I came up with that title, is an EVP that we captured. We came into the house one particular Saturday. Um, we set up the surveillance, and then it was just a quick in and out. Set up surveillance, and then get out, head out, grab coffee. Uh, Got to get the coffee out. So <laughs> in my case, it's uh, Pepsi-Cola. But... Uh, <laughs> So while we're gone, uh, there was a bit of activity in the house, little bits of noises and things like that. Nothing substantial, but something was there. On our return, as we arrived at that back door, a young male reported our arrival to an older female. Her name was Miriam. Miriam lived in the house, and we confirmed that she actually lived in the house years ago. But he reported, Miriam, they're all alive. And she replied, well, thank you. So he's reporting there's a bunch of living people are showing up at the door. And I was, when I heard that, I'm thinking, well, what, what were you expecting? Did you know you're dead and you're expecting other dead people to arrive? 
meeting and, place that they did. And this is where I came up with the title yeah. of the book. Wow. That's uh, you know, goosebump factor time for me anyways, folks. Peter, you, you were going to speculate on some of this? Oh, I was just going to chime in and say, uh, yeah, that was uh, that was quite a revelation, that, uh, that okay. EVP. And uh, as uh, you read the book and uh, and you listen to us talk about this this evening, um, uh, hopefully it'll come get across that there were multiple spirits there. And as it turned out, from different eras, different le- levels mm-hmm. and layers, and many times uh, we found ourselves commenting amongst ourselves, thinking, wow, this is like Union Station of hauntings here. They're just... People were at... Uh, Seriously, that, that they were coming and going, it would seem. You know, just when, when you thought you'd nail down a particular era or a person mm-hmm. from that era, they were gone the next visit and replaced by somebody else. And uh, uh, it was just incredible. So they were coming and going, coming and going. It seemed, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Any speculation, guys, as, as to why this would be a central uh, focal point in perhaps their, ju- their journeys somewhere? Was it a portal, do you think? It could have been a portal. Um, it was. It was a church at one time. Oh. So it would have been a very attractive, very safe of place to be. And over the years, uh, it, it fell away from being a church. It became a private residence. It became a, a farm. It became a rental property. Uh, changed hands. I mean, over its longer. Long history. When I say a long history, you know, it was built in. Uh, I think it was the 1820s. Peter, am I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so close there. Yeah. So it was the 1820s. So you know, for Canada, that's that's pretty old. That is old. Um, yeah. So you can imagine the lives that property touched, and um, especially as a church. As a church, yeah. but one thing I've learned about churches is. Um, when these things are hallowed ground and they're, they're, they're blessed and they're used for a particular purpose and intent, that's great. When that intent falls away and other things are allowed to use that property and things go on that might be an abomination of the church, for example, abuse or sexual abuse or violence, it's almost a mockery of the church. And that has become very attractive to negative entities. So now you've got all kinds of things in play. It's it's attractive. It seems warm and welcoming. The community uh, may see it that way. Even though you're dead, you might be drawn to it. But then there's the, that other element, the, the darker side, that's dwelling there. And then there's a conflict. So they use that warmth and invitingness of the church that mm-hmm. most churches emanate without question to lure other ghosts in. And then all of a sudden they find out that there's a lot of negativity going on. Have you come across ghosts that are being abused on the other side? Absolutely. Ah, oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, victims are still victims. Uh, perpetrators mm-hmm. are still perpetrators. It's a... Uh, it's gut gut wrenching to see it. Mm. Um, I did a, my first book, my my, my first book, Overshadows, was uh, I don't know, that was a tough book. It was it was a tough haunting. It took me six years to get 
get that book uh, written. Um, and it was uh, and one one particular case. It was a young young boy, and we had surveillance in this house everywhere, audio and video. And uh, the perpetrator was his name was Edward. Really nasty guy in life. Really nasty guy in death. And uh, I mean a murderer. He was a murderer. And uh, there was a young spirit of a boy. And we were trying to find out what this guy's name was. And this boy blurted it out. And uh, he said, Edward, Edward, it's Edward. And you can hear the boot falls on the hardwood floor coming down the hall. Well, nobody's in the house. Just just, just the audio, audio, or audio video surveillance running. You hear those boot falls coming down the hall on the hardwood. And all of a sudden, this booming voice. Did you give him my name? Oh. And you hear, you hear, slap, slap. And oh my kid, just bawling. And it, this is on the other side, man. These guys are deceased, and yeah. it's just crazy. And I, 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 I saw, I, I heard this. I, I listened to it. I don't know, a hundred times. And it, it, that's the first time I probably ever feared death. Is knowing that's going on. Over yeah. There. You would say, you know, we're always taught to believe that once somebody's passed on, um, it's serenity. It's yeah. heaven, quote unquote. Wow. Not for these people. Peter, yeah. do you ever try to release the ghosts that you come across and tell them to move on to the light? Or is that just an old cliche that's, hung, that's hanging around since the Poltergeist days, the movie? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, I, I don't. Personally, um, because I don't have that kind of power, um, uh, we do wish that uh, anyone suffering on the other side or the other side of the veil, if you will, uh, we wish them well and uh, and hope that they do find peace and, and move on uh, as best as possible. Uh, we're not very big on on clearings um, okay. as, as far as uh, you know, smudging a place, if you will, and. and uh, clearing house and sending them into the light, uh, that's up to the client? Most hauntings I, 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 I find are multiple. Rarely do you find one spirit mm. hanging around. It's usually two, three, six, twelve, whatever. Mm. And in any social, social situation. Now imagine you're out and your kids are having some crazy party. They're underage, they're all drinking. They have like 25 friends over. And you come home, and now you're very, very upset. And you walk into the house, and you tell them, in no uncertain terms, everybody out of here. The music goes off, and it's get out. In that social circle, the polite ones are the first to step up and go, yep, I got a lot of respect for this guy. It's his house, and I'm out of here. Problem is, there's a balance in this house. You've got some good, and you've got some bad. Now, the good ones have left because they respect you. You're the boss. You're yeah. host. It's that negative guy that's standing off in the corner in the shadows. Has no respect for you. Not listening. And he's just brooding. Now, you didn't notice him. But down the road, you're going to have all kinds of problems because it, there's no checks and balances now. All the good ones have left because that's what you wanted. Now he's got carte blanche. And then we get a call. Yeah, I don't understand. I had a haunting, and I had a clearing, and now everything's gone crazy here. It's 
worse than ever. Well, yeah, of course it's worse than ever. Try and get those good ones back. That's going to happen. Balance. Try to get him out. That may never happen. Mm. So uh, all this smudgy stuff, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, certain people believe in it. That's great. You know, a lot of belief systems. Uh, I don't see anything that that smudging is doing except irritating them. Um, Interesting. And you can you can ask people to do this. I mean, it will lighten the energy. Absolutely. If you've got a cool house, you can smudge it, lighten that energy. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to go to battle with a spirit in your home by smudging, you're asking for trouble because all they're going to do is irritate him. He may leave for a day or two, but when he comes back, mm-hmm. that's, you got to pay the piper now. Mm. They'll retaliate. They'll build territorial and start claiming space again. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of misconceptions. Okay. People think you can bring a priest in and, and exercise the house. You cannot exercise the house no more than you can exercise your car. The only thing you can exercise is a person possessed. If the house was to be physically removed, would the they spirit would then it. dissipate somewhere else? No, they would still see the host. They oh. They live in the host. Interesting. So even though it takes on, it could take on a different form. I'm thinking somebody might tear this older old house down and build something else there, say a, a parking lot, for lack of thinking of something more original. It would still no, you, no, you could be driving down the street three in the morning, have look over there and think you're hallucinating because some old lady was sitting above the parking lot on the second floor of nothing there. Richard, when did you decide to pull the plug and say too dangerous that's it well i think when uh we had a medium working in the house um we were uh, working the main floor um we had a surveillance camera just at the top of the stairs on the second level and um the medium uh joan she was near the the bottom of the stairs and uh what she described was uh, she felt a presence uh, this presence uh, near her uh, put its hands around her throat, which caused her just to uh, have difficulty breathing, and then took her down to the ground, um, choking her. So that physical attack was uh, quite horrifying for her. Um, the, the chilling, if it can get worse, the chilling aspect of beyond the attack was what was recorded on the ca- the audio portion of the camera at the top of the stairs, um, which was a male talking to another male. And it was um, the, an older male that we knew was one of the troublemakers. And in a, in a laughing kind of voice, he says, what did you do? And the other... Uh, troublemaking spirit, another male. And uh, I'm not exactly 100% sure of his accent, but he has a heavy accent. And his name was Chican, and he mm. said, Chican, choke. So it was a big joke to them that he physically attacked this woman. Is mm. there anything you can do on our side of 
of the line, if you will, to prevent them from doing what they're doing physically to us? I would say no. Mm. Uh, if they're going mm. to do this sort of thing, they're going to do this sort of thing. So um, we're powerless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I have a theory that they're not going to kill you. Uh, they could make your life a living now, but uh, they won't. They certainly won't kill you. But um, you can ask for help from the other side, uh, deceased relative or some, oh. whatever your belief system is to come and intervene mm-hmm. and uh, on your behalf. And well, sometimes they're very happy to do that. They'll come down here and uh, give them a wet floor and, uh, you know, it's uh, quiet. Um, no. Nope. Given this building was a church, and I'll throw this one out to Peter, was there ever any talk or from any of the EVPs about God or Jesus or any type of organized religion that we might know of on this side? Right. Uh, no. I, I have to say no. No. There, there was nothing like that. Uh, I, I think, uh, personally, I think the by the time we got there and started uh, investigating um uh, that place had, had long been soiled by whatever had happened there, okay. uh, and I, yeah, we we believe it was uh, some heavy, heavy violence and abuse. Do you want to expand on that, or do you just want to leave that for people to find out in the book? Oh, I would like them to enjoy that part of the book uh, on their own, if I, if I might. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. No worries. <laughs> but, uh, whatever was there, a sort of uh, that had soiled the. Uh, the location, um, the people will also, uh, the readers will also uh, discover that uh, it wasn't necessarily human. Uh, it might have made it, uh, whatever went on there was uh, apparently very attractive for uh, non-human entities as well. I mean, I'll stop short of saying demon because I don't think they were demons per se, but uh, just some sort of a, a creature that uh, tried to look human, but uh, probably aren't, mm. which is pretty creepy too. Yeah, very mm-hmm. creepy. Has there, in, in all your cases, has there ever been any mention of, in the afterlife, of a God, a Jesus, uh, anything along those lines? Nothing's coming to mind. Um, I've only been doing this for 35 years, so I don't know. Yeah. There's nothing. Not nearly long enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm an old guy, but. Um, but there's, there's almost mind. A, but you found Richard that uh, there's almost a, a sort of a, a line that's drawn in the afterlife too, isn't there? That they'll tell you some parts of what it's like on their side, and others are we have to find out for ourselves. Kind of. It thing. is. It is a great mystery, and they do keep that mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them, I'd say, the majority knows they're dead. Uh, we've been told as yeah. much. Uh, you know, they'll they'll come here and say, I'm dead, so what do you want from me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Peter, I want to stay on this personal motivation thing for a second. Mm-hmm. If you've had a loved one that's passed away, have you in your own... You can shake this question off if it's too personal. Have you tried uh-huh. to re- Have you tried to talk with them and perhaps capture them, uh, either in terms of an EVP or something along those lines, to communicate uh, with know, them? You know what? I've never... That's an interesting question. I've never had tried to because I've never felt the need. Um, 
that's a really interesting question. Uh, now I might have to go and try and do that. But <laughs> um, well, I, have, uh, I, I have done that, and it's uh, uh, several times. Um, probably the first time was uh, when my father passed away in 1990. Mm. Um, we we knew that. The house that my parents had was haunted from from the day we moved in, but it seemed more so after his uh, departure. And uh, I had a medium and my brother, and I asked my mother. I said, "I'd like to come in and just spend an hour. Is it okay?" And she said, "Yeah, go ahead." And we came in and we went to the basement, and I started recording and tried to make communication. And I got one word on recording, and I played it, and I, it was a, it, it was a, it was a huge emotional situation because I recognized the voice. There's no doubts about it. This was my father's voice in the house he used to live, but I didn't know what he was saying. It was one word, and I I didn't get. There was no way I could get it. I just didn't understand it. Um, so I had to make a decision. Here I have a recording of my father's voice, who's deceased. Do I take it to my mother, his wife, and let her hear this? It's going to be an emotional situation. I didn't know at the time how emotional it was going to be. And I decided, for science, I have to do this. So I asked her, I have a recording. Do you want to hear it? And she said, yeah. I played it. And she had this look. So I rewound it, I played it again, and then the waterworks started. And then I discovered from her, when she revealed, that one word was her nickname when they were dating. <sighs> wow. How much proof do you need? For me, that tells me everything. Did that, I, I know it was very upsetting for her at the time. Was there mm-hmm. comfort that was given to her because Absolutely. of that? Okay. Absolutely. She, glad to hear that. She felt comfort that he was there. Okay. When you pass over and you finally go to the light, once you're in that light, whatever that the definition of that is, does your consciousness stay with you or does that dissipate and everything just becomes, if you will, white light, white noise? That's a huge question, and we need to first find out what that light is. Mm. Is it the other side, and what is the other side? Yeah. Is it another reality? Is it the operating room where you're coming out of the womb again? Mm. Is it... Mm. What could it be? So we need to understand what that light is. I think... Mm-hmm. I'm, I, I'm going to be putting it up on YouTube eventually, mm-hmm. okay. but I believe I have a film of the light, the white light. How did you get that? It was in a childhood home. This was the childhood home and uh, that we lived in, uh, in the, back in the 60s. And um, my aunt owned it, and she, when she passed, she willed it to my brothers and I. So we renovated the house. During the renovation work, there was nobody in that house. So I knew it was haunted because that's where this all started. And I put surveillance in that house. And um, 
one evening, around midnight, my uh, my brother was working late there, he paint doing painting, and he called it a night. He said that's enough, and he he set the recordings up. Going back, this is how how far back it is. It's on VHS tape, and he hit record, and he left one light on in the hallway. We had a chair with a raggedy end ball sitting on it at the other end of the hall, just as a um, something like a, something to draw the energy because I believe there was my cousin in that house mm. as well. And we wanted to see what would happen. Now, nothing happened with the doll or the chair, but a little black line would shoot up the wall, and then this line would split open, and it would tear a hole in the wall and in that hole was this bright light, and you could see things moving in it, and it was so intense, it was unbelievable. And yet, this light was not casting um, neither shadow nor reflection on any other wall, any other surface, on the floors, nothing. And then it would close back to this black little line, and it would dissipate and gone. And then, in a few minutes, it would start again, only this time closer to the camera. And it does this for an entire hour, opening and closing, all the while moving along this wall to the far end of the house, which is the closest point to the camera. Incredible, incredible film. And I want to get it up on YouTube. Jeez, yeah, and I've had film, yeah, I've had film directors look at this. I've had specialists look at this. And they said there's absolutely, they could not find any way to debunk this film. Hmm. Because, specifically because of that black line that starts. If it was just a light on a wall, sure, it could be a million sources. But it's this black line that starts the whole thing, the whole process. Apparently, to these professionals, it's an impossibility. Have you ever had a medium that you've worked with who's been able to communicate or receive from inside the white light? I'll put this to Peter. Um, I don't think so. I don't know if, if, of anybody we know, eh, Richard, that uh, no, can, no. can do that per se. No, I, uh, there, there isn't a perfect uh, medium. I'm sure you heard the term happy medium, but uh, <laughs> there, there are no perfect. There, there are no perfect mediums. Uh, the two of you, eh, tonight? That, that, that's yeah. sort of, that's Who's the straight man, though? That's what I want to know. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, we, uh, as, so as a side note, no, we, we, we do have uh, some fun on investigations as well. I mean, it's not to the detriment yeah. of the investigation by any means, but uh, you can't uh, you can't go into these things too stiff too stiffly. But uh, uh, back to the medium question. Um, no, we. Uh, no medium can do can do it all. Um, they kind of specialize. They uh, are clairvoyant or clairsentient, clairaudient. Mm -hmm. um, some of them get images uh, that they share with us. Some of them get feelings, and then that's how they share their information. But as far as the white light goes, uh, I personally have not come across anyone who's said, you know what, I'm picking up on a white light right now. I think I want to tell you about it. <laughs> that's never happened in my experience so far. Folks, we're going to have to wrap up now, but I want to thank my two guests tonight, Richard Palomasano and also Peter Rowe. They're both members of a great, um, I keep saying troop, a great ghost hunting group 
out of um, the greater Toronto area, for lack of a better way of putting it, called The Searchers. And uh, you can find... Do you have a website, guys? Yeah, we do. The, uh, uh, yeah, go ahead, Pete. Oh, sorry, I was going to say, uh, we do. It's The Searcher Group, all one word, dot C-A. Okay, and I'll put that also on our website, folks, www nightfrightshow.com. The book, of course, is Meeting Place of the Dead, A True Haunting. And you will not be disappointed in any sense if you get this book, folks. It will give you goosebumps and chills. And you'll get into more detail about all the things that took place uh, that required this group to step back. Imagine stepping back from, you know, you go out on the weekend and you have to, you're forced to step back from the research that you're doing the investigation you're doing because the entities are starting to visit your home and cause havoc physically on you and also emotionally. It's terrifying. What are your plans, guys? Did you ever plan on going back, or is that it? Believe it or not, my against my better judgment, uh, the team has convinced me to go. <gasps> so we're going to go, and uh, so we're going to see. Maybe there'll be book two coming. Wow. And, uh, any or, any or, or maybe our, my obituary. I don't know what. But <laughs> <you're>... <laughs> don't <stop. laughs> any apprehensions, Peter, about going back? Um, there, there were some. There were some, but mm-hmm. I, I, I think uh, my curiosity uh, will probably get the better of me. Okay. So uh, we'll, we'll take we'll take it easy and uh, case by case, investigation by investigation, and uh, see how it goes. How are you going to handle it differently? We've only got about 15 seconds. Uh, we're going to go slow and safe. Okay. Yeah. Any signs and you just back off right away? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Well, please do come back, guys, and thank you so much for writing this book and sharing it with us tonight. I'm Brent thank Holland. Thank you for having us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Trust me. This has it's been great for me. This is... Uh, this was a, a very, very good show. Thank you so much, both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Brent. And uh, congratulations on your book. Oh, thank you yeah. so much. Very kind of you to say Terrific. so. Terrific. Terrific. I'm Brent Holland from Night Fright. See you all next time. Accounts for yours right now, nightfrightshow.com.